0: welcome to the RSM Podcast, a part of Rock Solid Ministries. If you'd like to learn more about Rock Solid Ministries, please visit our website at www.rocksolidministries.org. I'm your host today, Greg Strickland, and I'm here sharing with you a three-part series on grief. This is part two of that series. If you haven't listened to part one from last week, please go back and take a listen to them. But these interviews come from a series of radio programs that I did back in 2012 at our local radio station. And during these last few weeks of intense grief in our family, I thought that these might be helpful to you, maybe as people who are grieving, or maybe as people who know grieving people. I hope this ministers to you and blesses you. Give it a listen.
1: About three weeks after we lost Chaz, I was in bed one evening. And fortunately, we did, Brett wasn't with us. Our oldest wasn't with us in that accident and good thing. Um, but he literally was the only reason I would get out of bed at that point mm-hmm. because he needed us to. Um, for me, that, that uh, phase where you just don't want to do anything, you just it came on very quickly for me. I was into that, and the accident took place early May. Buried um, Chaz on May eighth, and we uh, died on May May eighth. Buried him on May twelfth. That's what it was. And by the time we were into June, I just I was pretty much worthless to be.
2: It's a huge
3: strain on Mm -hmm. your relationship. I mean, there is not one aspect, and when I say not one aspect, I mean not one aspect of your life that is not affected by Mm -hmm. the grief. And by six weeks in,
1: I was really struggling. I, just, I,
3: <laughs> I was. We were both really <laughs> struggling. I mean, I, I think had it continued and had the great people at our church um, not stepped in and said, hey, we want to get you some counseling, mm-hmm. I think we wouldn't have made it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a huge strain. And that's only six weeks in.
1: Right. I was also very fortunate in this. I don't know if we wrote this down as one of our blessings or not, but um, I was fortunate that this took place right before summer. And Mm -hmm. so I didn't have to go back to teach in the school. Let me just have the rest of May off. And I had the summer to at least, we were building a house, but it wasn't a, I didn't have to be um, organized in my mind all the time. And so I had that time that I knew I had to, that I could just be a vegetable in a lot of ways and and just struggle and cry and and just be chaotic. Um, I can't
3: imagine having to go back to work like most people do that's not something we had to deal with i was staying home the school let nate have time off he was home till august i that's one aspect of grief that we don't understand mm-hmm. and we can't comprehend because we didn't have to deal with that and we understand that we are very grateful that we had the time to grieve mm-hmm. together and to grieve in our own way for so long because that's not a luxury that people have
0: yeah right now, you guys mentioned how you grieve differently as different you know you're different people and even though you're very close and you share a lot of things there's a lot of difference in the way that you you grieve that and tell, tell us what were some of those differences and and how, how that can be stressful on a relationship
3: it seemed a lot when which is good when I was up he was down oh. or when I was down he was up but that gets very exhausting to constantly I mean when you're not down you're helping the other person get back up and that plus taking care of a two-year-old and building a house. And then you're, you know, you're packing to move and you're trying to find another vehicle because your one vehicle has just been demolished. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, and you're dealing with a legal process on top of all of that. And I think, you know, there are the five stages of of grief and we just weren't in those stages at the same time. Mm -hmm. My anger was intense and it was raging and I didn't ever really see that from Nate. He may have been angry, Mm -hmm but he his temperament is completely different than mine <laughs> you as you know say. greg <laughs> and <laughs> Maybe just he a just little. he just didn't go like it made me mad because he did not get mm. as angry as i did and that was extremely frustrating because i said why aren't you mad at this guy like i am why aren't you mad at god like i am mm. why are you not having these fits of rage whereas he went through the depression more than i did mm-hmm. and i quite honestly I'm more outgoing, I'm more vocal and I was blogging this entire time. I had an outlet, he didn't. He didn't, you know, I mean he would blog on my blog maybe five times in the whole 5 years, but um he just it's just a completely different way of dealing with it. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think the uh the phase of the depression part that I went through in the summer. Um Maria didn't hit that in that way till January or February of that following year whenever I started coaching basketball. and I wasn't home very much. Uh, middle school basketball started in January for boys at at Gerard. And so at that point' when I saw her start dropping in that way and and just not being motivated uh, to do things. and I, I really think she that anger probably drove her and helped her to go longer to, before she got into that phase which also spaced things out for us. So we weren't, we we had each other in that, just as she said. I mean, she got me through the summer, even though it was rough at times. And that's what got us into the the counseling aspect of it. Mm -hmm. But um, that just, that timing there was unique. I I found it interesting that when I wasn't around to be able to help her, that's when it it went tough on her. And, uh, but Everyone has to go through that process eventually.
3: Well, and it's not just, okay, I've been through the anger part, so I'm not going to go through that part again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That can't be further from the truth <laughs> <laughs> because I still have bouts of anger. Uh-huh. Uh, they're not as intense, but I still get angry, and I still get depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I a lot of people think, you know, you've got to move on. You've got to get past this. It's been five years, yada, yada. Well, number one, they've never been there, mm-hmm. and number two, they've obviously never experienced such intense grief because mm-hmm. it's – you. You can't. I mean, you can't keep those things from coming. It just happens. Yeah. And grief, grief, you have to go with it. Yeah. You can't tell grief what to do.
0: Right. What I always tell people is, you know what, however you grieve is how you grieve. Absolutely. And don't let anybody tell you that, you know, you shouldn't be this way or you shouldn't feel this or you shouldn't feel that because however you uh, deal with that. Uh, short of hurting somebody else, I guess it's a good it's a good way to deal with it. Right, you know?
3: and I think people need to know that when someone is grieving, it is not best to offer advice, mm. especially if you've never been there. And even having been through grief, and I have we we know way too many people who have lost children since Jazz died, and I have been very careful about not offering advice Mm -hmm. unless I'm asked Mm -hmm. because they're like Nate said, their grief process is completely different than ours. And unfortunately we had people trying to tell us how to grieve Mm -hmm. and that just made it worse. It made me anger, angry at them. Then I was resenting them. I was resenting the guy that hit us and I was mad at God. And (laughs) I mean, it just, it just multiplied everything and intensified it. So, um, I mean, Like you said, you have to grieve in your own way. And for people on the outside, you have to let people grieve the way they're grieving. You can't change the course of their grief. You can try, but you're only going to make it worse. Yeah.
0: That's what, you know, as we went through Job over the last few weeks, that's what we saw with his friends. You know, they thought that they were there to help, and they Mm -hmm. really didn't, they really weren't able to offer much advice that. That helped his grief.
3: They can help, just not with advice.
0: Exactly. They can help exactly. in
3: so many ways, now, just not with advice. You, now you
0: mentioned, um, you know how how great some of the church family was in being supportive. Tell us about the stupid people. And
1: I, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I say that tongue in cheek, but the 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 stupid stuff that people say uh, when the as they're trying to help or mm-hmm. however you want to put it. But what what are some of the kind of things that you might hear that you did hear that really were not helpful. This is where Mariel jumped in because she's the (laughs) one that noticed all that stuff. I didn't notice it as much. I'm kind of naive to that too. Um, What
3: what was unfortunate, Greg, is that people quit talking to us. Mm. Um, I mean, they said stupid stuff. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I remember the first Sunday we went back to church. Uh, It was hard because we were very... I don't want to say prominent in the church. I was in the praise band. Nate was on the board. I mean, we were, we were very, very involved. People mm-hmm. knew who we were. And that first Sunday back, I think I can count on one hand how many people spoke to us. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because they didn't know what to say. Right. Granted, I would rather have them say nothing than some of the stupid <laughs> stuff people said. But like mentioning that you don't have to worry about his salvation anymore. Well, that mm-hmm. is no comfort to me at all. Right. Or, well, he, good thing he was young. Mm. You didn't really know his personality. Oh well, yes, I did, because mm. I carried him in my womb, yeah. and I had him at home with me. I was staying home at the time. I had him home with me for three weeks. Mm. So and there's just oh gosh, I.
1: <laughs> One of the uh, incidences <sighs> that happened at church was, uh, and a lady she meant nothing by it. Oh,
3: absolutely nothing by it. But she Couldn't had, meet a nicer lady. She
1: had a foster child she was watching, and, and she said, Hey, Maria, come here. And Come that.
3: here, come here. Come look at my new baby. Mm-hmm. And it was a three-week-old little boy, and I yeah. lost it. Yeah. Not because I was angry with her, mm-hmm. but because my son was not there, and he would have been about six weeks old at the time um, because it, I, it was one of our first Sundays back mm-hmm. that that actually happened. Um, but even, you know, People saying, well, you can have another baby. Mm. Well, yes, I can, but no baby is ever going to replace Chaz. Right. I mean, that's nothing's ever going to take that pain away. And, you know, I.
0: You're not looking for the silver cl- the silver lining. No, in this cloud at you're this point. in
3: survival mode. Yeah. Who cares about the clouds? You're looking. <laughs> you want to survive, and that's that's truly what you're doing. You need hugs. You need people to come clean your house. You need people to come watch your kids. You need people to offer to go to the grocery store for you. Bring you food. Bring you food. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Our church they set up this list for a solid month after, actually more than a month after Chaz died. Every weeknight, we had a meal delivered to us by someone in our church. And that meant more to me than anything to not have to... Because supper is a stressful time for a lot of women anyway, trying to figure out what to make. You got picky eaters and blah, blah, blah. They took care of that for us. And that Mm -hmm. was one daily activity I did not have to think about. And I could not have been more grateful. Mm -hmm. And that was amazing.
0: Yeah. And another thing that I, I think people... People either don't know what to say or they're uh, – I, I, we talked about this in a previous show. I think when they can't answer questions for you, when you're asking the question why and they can't answer that question, then it brings up questions in their own mind mm-hmm. uh, that they want to know answers to. And they'd rather not ask those questions at this point in their life because everything seems to be going fine. So well, They don't have to. Right. So let's not deal with those questions. and. And maybe sometimes, you know, we, we don't want to hear your story. Right. And we're scared of those kinds of things because think, we haven't learned to deal with them. And I think people
1: are afraid to remind you that you've lost your son. Yeah,
3: they don't realize mm. that it's already in the back of your mind right. all the time anyway. So mm-hmm. they would they think that not bringing it up helps mm-hmm. when all it does is hurt because you remember him. Right. You right. know what it was like to have him around all the time. And,
1: and I, re- I remember being that way myself um, in some situations where people from the church lost teenagers and and I just I felt like oh, I can't go talk to them about this because mm-hmm. I don't want to bring all this stuff back up and have them go through it. Well, they've been on the other side now. You're not going to bring something up. It helps to talk,
3: mm-hmm. I, all I wanted to do was talk about Chaz because that's all I had right. they get to show their baby off and they get to dress them in cute clothes and get their pictures taken and I don't get to, mm-hmm. that's something I don't have anymore um, so yeah, I mean yeah
0: as we've been talking I'm reminded of a song that I want to play for our listeners today here is I Will Trust in You by my friend's new fire
2: moon understand the moving of your hand. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. When my world is growing dark and I can't see where you are. I will trust to be, bigger than the circumstance that's holding me, but I'm just too small, I've tried to climb through the loneliness of this mountain. Steve. stand the moving of your hand. I will trust
0: And this is where uh, I come into the story, Yay. because we—we're <laughs> we're so glad—and <laughs> we're kind of acquaintances at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And Maria went to college with my brother, and Nate was one of my older campers when I was a, uh, working at church camp. So I just kind of knew who he was, and my son, had, I think, was playing basketball for him maybe at the time in yes. junior high or something like that, and. So we kind of know who each other are, and we see each other at basketball games and stuff. And um, but at this point, I'm uh, I'm just like, you know, what? I I don't really know these people. We're just kind of acquainted with them. But I I say to my wife, you know, why we see if uh, Coach Klunder and his wife want to come over and and have dinner.
1: I remember that day we were actually we talked about it this morning. We were in the bank.
3: We were like, were we building our house at that time? Were we done? I said, well, it was at the bank, so we must have been building the house. We were in the the bank,
1: and Lori came in, and we chatted with her a little bit, and then we got a call later Mm -hmm. that day from you guys asking us if we'd like to come over, and was like, yes, that'd be just great. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and and um, you know we were stupid. We didn't know. You know exactly. We just knew you guys were going through a hard time, uh, and you know, part of our community. and And we didn't know exactly uh, what to talk about or what to say. But I uh, I remember thinking, well, I'm just blown away that these people are pouring out this whole story here in our living rooms because I'm thinking that's not a subject that we probably want to bring up and that we want to talk about. And and I was totally fine with that, but I think I understand, you know what you're saying that that people go through. They feel like that's something that you that you don't want to bring up.
3: Well, and what was great about you guys is you were safe. We could talk about it and you we knew you weren't going to judge us. Mm-hmm. You were there to be companions for us and to walk with us through this journey and we didn't have to hold anything back. And that mm-hmm. you have to have somebody like that.
1: We didn't know that at the first time though. We just opened I, up. Well, but I
3: think because Chris and I were so close in True. college, mm-hmm. and here's his big brother, and I loved Lori. I mean, just from the first time I met her, I thought I could really get to like this chick. So I mean, it it was comfortable.
0: And yeah, we we've had some really blunt conversations about we a lot have. of stuff over the years, you <laughs> we know. Have. And uh, but you do you need those kind of people that you can you can say anything, you mm-hmm. can say anything about anything and understand that that person is, is uh, in pain and is hurting. And so if, if you could, if you could tell people, you know, one thing about how to be a friend, how to enter into somebody else's grief, what would you tell them? How, How can people be real friends and, and, and really help people when they're going through something difficult like this?
1: Aside from you guys, and we had other people too, but I had one friend in particular, he called me weekly. Mm -hmm. I mean, just to to say, how are you doing?
3: I need to state, we were at Greg and Lori's house like three times a week, four (laughs) times a week. It's not like, (laughs) I mean, they were constantly present. I think that's huge. So go ahead,
1: Nate. Yeah, back to my friend, Andy. I mean, he just, I would say, I mean, he was calling weekly for the first six months. And then... It would have be, been a couple of weeks at a time. And he
3: had no idea. He, I mean, he, they had, they had been through some trials, but not to the experience that we, mm-hmm. you know, we were dealing with. But he
1: just, he just continued to call for the first year and just to check up and, and to see. And I, I was able to be open with him about things that was going on with Maria and I in our marriage and, and just get in more areas than just mm-hmm. dealing with Chad, but it was a part of that whole thing. And um for me that's that one incident is something that i can do with someone that's not near me physically mm-hmm. uh, i don't if it's somebody outside of the state i can still try to call them and check up on them if and so that one was one that i feel like is applicable for people mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a a 3 hour conversation no. just a how's it going right now i, mean,
3: I think and, allowing the person who's grieving to be open,
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, which generally, if a judgmental person makes that phone call, that person, the person who's grieving, is not going to be open, mm-hmm. because they're going to feel like everything they say is being looked at, mm-hmm. you know, um, through scrutiny. But I think being available, and just being a listener, and mm-hmm. and really truly caring and asking, um, because at that point. I don't want to hear about your broken toe. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear about, you know, trivial things that seem trivial. Granted, they may not be trivial to you, mm-hmm. but things that seem trivial in perspective to what we were going through. I mean, it was. And quite honestly, I, I think the thing I enjoyed the most about you guys was that it didn't always have to be about our grief. We played Sing Star. We did fun stuff. We would Mm -hmm. have jam sessions. I mean, it was was not always about the grief. It was just, it was the companionship. That's Mm -hmm. what it was. Because um, little did we know that when we lost Chaz, our friendships would completely Mm flip-flop. Our best friends would disappear. People we thought we didn't have relationships anymore came running to us. And people we didn't know met us where we were and took us the distance. And that, you don't expect to lose your best friend through all of this, but I did.
2: Mm.
3: I did. And it, that was harder than anything because my best girlfriend was not there for me to talk to. Um, and, and and I want to say that happened immediately. I think just as our grief intensified, you know, people get scared. They don't know how to deal with it. They back away. and mm-hmm. And that's okay because that's what she needed to do. But thankfully, you guys were there to step in, and and then, you know, the friends that we weren't sure about a relationship with them, they filled in the gap, and you guys filled in the gap. Mm-hmm. and I mean, it was huge, but that companionship is, is a must. I mean, you have to have somebody there that's safe, mm-hmm. that you can talk to.
1: We had, uh, and this was another really big step for me, we had some friends that offered to take us to watch the Royals play and we they had mm-hmm. some great seats in the club section All this and that night re- was the first night where I was able to really just loosen up I, mean, I can remember f- smiling and mm-hmm. and being feeling okay about it not mm-hmm. feeling guilty about s- enjoying myself and that was probably late July middle to July somewhere there and that that was a big and it it was an acquaintance from church friends of ours from church and they and that was just
3: it was just hey we've got tickets want to go And it was like, yes, yes, we would. (laughs) That's something normal because throughout the grief process, all you want is to have normal back. Mm -hmm. And what's really happening is your normal is completely changing.
0: Right. So uh, the good news for the friends of those who are suffering is you don't have to offer anything but your presence. Absolutely. Your presence and your time. That's it. You don't have to offer advice. You don't have Mm -hmm. to offer uh, reasonings. Just offer yourself. Right,
3: right. And, and I don't know. I mean, I guess people who lose grandparents and parents. I mean, I it, I would assume they want to talk about those people, those loved mm-hmm. ones, and talk about those memories. You know, I didn't have a lot of memories. I only had three weeks worth. And with an infant who sleeps and eats all the time, there's not much there. But to have somebody that's willing to listen to those same stories over and over because that's all you have mm-hmm. is tremendous. Very, very big
0: now do you, do you still get uh cards or things like that when we come around to that time of year? you know do people still remember It's a good question
3: yes, they do
0: I think people definitely
1: remember uh, i I don't know that that we've gotten cards in the last two years, probably over it, but we did for the first couple of years mm-hmm. yeah Continued and then get...
3: and with Facebook, it's mm-hmm. you know having oh, the yeah. social network. People will send me emails or, and I will still get a random email from someone that says, especially this one particular lady I'm thinking of from countryside. She'll just send me an email, say, Hey, I thought of Chaz today. And I prayed for you. Mm -hmm. And that's huge. Even five years out. That is huge to know that people haven't forgotten that we are still on this grief journey and that it is not over and it will never end. Mm -hmm. We will always be on this journey. It will just get easier with time.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, um, we we look at the loss of a child, and that's hugely tragic and significant. Um, and, you know, I said earlier, sometimes we look at, you know, maybe grandparents or great-grandparents, and we say, well, you know, that was expected. We, we, we grieve, we're sad, but, you know, that's kind of the way life goes. Uh, but on the other hand, um, you and I, the three of us, we don't know what that is to be To share a life with someone for 50 years. Absolutely. And then to lose them. And so, um, you know, a good thing to do is to to still send an anniversary card. Even after one of those. Or flowers. Yeah, or flowers, whatever it is. Or
3: take them out to eat on their anniversary. Because that, I can't imagine having to spend Chaz's birthday by myself. Not having Mm. Nate there to spend it with. Just like someone who's lost a spouse, I'm sure can't imagine spending the birthdays and the Mm. anniversaries alone. And if their kids don't live close, that makes it even more important that someone step in and say, Hey, I'm going to be with you on that day because I know it's hard.
0: Yeah. We're if we think that they're not thinking about it and we don't want to bring it up, (laughs) we're just, we're lying to ourselves.
3: Uh, Yes, absolutely.
0: Thank you for joining us today on the RSM podcast. We hope you'll be back with us next time when we interview some more exciting guests. And as our director, Brother Tom Weaver, would say, may God pour out his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.